InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. Our communities say a lot about our society. And the arts not only define a community, they can make it better. As InfoTrack's Taryn McCall reports. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. I'm pleased to welcome Arlene Goldberg to InfoTrack. She's one of the most respected authors on community cultural development. Her latest book is entitled New Creative Community, The Art of Cultural Development. We should probably start with some definitions. What does community cultural development involve? Well, it describes a very special kind of work where all kinds of artists, they may be musicians, painters, or dancers, or theater people, or they may make video, have decided because of their social commitments that they want their work as artists to really mean something. And so they put their gifts at the service of communities that they work with and help people to surface issues that are important to them, to articulate their own dreams, to get in touch with their own creativity, and to use those artistic gifts and tools to make social change. I think those of us living in urban areas are familiar with the neighborhood murals we see painted on buildings and under viaducts, which is an obvious visual element. Tell us a little more about the scope of the community projects you've studied and how some of these projects invigorated their communities. Well, when you say murals, I was in Philadelphia last week, so that pops immediately to mind. There's an amazing place there called the Village of Arts and Humanities. It's 26 square blocks of urban core that had that sort of bombed-out area aspect of many urban centers in America after what they call urban removal or redevelopment. And the people who live there said, we don't want to live like this. We want the place we live to reflect who we are in all our beauty and all our richness and all our depth. And in the course of years, they created this amazing network of community gardens, sculpture parks, kind of sacred spaces where they could have community events. And they've completely transformed that into a magical world right in the middle of the kind of neighborhood that a lot of people feel a little nervous about entering. Another example might be from theater. If you think about a group like Sojourn Theater, which is based in Portland, Oregon, they've done a series of projects. One was called Witness Our Schools, where they worked with the Department of Education and parents and teachers and everybody who was concerned about schools in Oregon to have a real dialogue about what the future of the state's educational system would be. So they conducted hundreds of interviews with people who related to schools in just every conceivable way. And then they used their first-person testimonies to create a remarkable piece of theater. And everyone who sat in the audience got to hear themselves, either their actual own words or words that really echoed what's important to them. And they got to sit there and listen to other people, too, who they might not have listened to otherwise, and then talk about afterwards what it meant for the future of education in Oregon. So instead of the kind of thing that you see in states where education is highly contested and really polarized and people come out to these big community meetings and scream at each other and see each other as representative of an idea as opposed to another person like myself, they made a human container for real deep dialogue about education. Everybody got something out of it. The historical benchmark for public works was probably the New Deal commissions, which put a tremendous amount of art in the public sphere and, and kept starving artists and workers employed during the Great Depression. Very but, true. But there's no similar government-sponsored program today. So what is motivating community groups to create? 
Well, I'd say there were several different things. One impulse is led by the artist. You know, there are people who either don't want to play that beauty contest of seeing if I can be the one famous, successful person among thousands of others and really want their work to matter today. So they're motivated to enter into relationship as artists with the communities that they live in. And for some of the people, the impulse is growing understanding that culture, who we are, our common heritage, the things that make us different, each from our neighbors, from people in the next town over, you know, from people in the next block over, the songs that we sing, the music that goes through our head, the language we talk, the stories we were told as children, the foods we ate, how we celebrated the high moments of our life. All those things are culture, and people are realizing more and more that entering into that arena of culture together enables us to really see each other fully and talk about things that are hard to do in the common arena, let's say on television debates or in the big town hall meeting. So the underlying idea is to be present as citizens, among citizens, in any kind of community and bring our whole selves there, not just our brains, but our feelings and our hearts and what's really important to us as people. Do you feel, though, that government should have a stake in cultural development projects? I most absolutely do. I honor the New Deal programs that you alluded to because that was a great time when the federal government said we cherish the contributions of these people who help us make and understand culture and we want to support that. The funny thing is in the New Deal they kind of backed into it because the first thing that happened is that artists were just designated as one of the unemployed and underemployed groups and the government had all kinds of relief programs. But once they understood that if you gave artists some subsidy to create, they would be more than happy to do things that beautified the world for everybody. The programs became much, much more. And today we have all kinds of things preserved. For example, during the New Deal cultural programs, slave narratives, first-person stories about what it was like to be enslaved were collected. And those testimonies we still have. People have made all kinds of art out of those. We never would have had it if the federal government hadn't said, this is really important to us. We want to preserve this. What are some resources that community groups can go to if they're interested in getting ideas? Well, I certainly invite people to come to my website, which is A-R-L-E-N-E-G-O-L-D-B-A-R-D.com. Another resource is the Community Arts Network, and that's communityartsalloneword.net. And that's a very good resource for all sorts of programs. They have first-person narratives about successful programs that people have participated in. They also have links to lots of places to look for funding or training or criticism or history in the field. We're talking with Arlene Goldbart, author of New Creative Community, The Art of Cultural Development. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much. I really enjoyed talking to you, and I'd be happy to have people come visit my website. They can link from there to send me email. I'm a good correspondent, and if people would like some suggestions about artists or resources that may be near them, I'd be happy to let them know that. Website again is ArleneGoldbard.com. I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.